I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. Happy Christmas, Debbie, from London. Happy Christmas! We're on different sides of the Thames. And I'm at my sister's flat in Maida Vale, and you're down in Wandsworth. And my house, yeah. So Tommy arrived a couple of days ago, and we thought it would be nice to uh, put this up while everybody's going through the bedlam of Christmas Eve day, which to me is peeling potatoes, slapping the kids, um, you know, drinking too much, whatever everybody's doing, on wrapping presents. I just read this thing about the great thing about... Um, one of the tricks of Christmas is wrapping your presents in a room, like going into a room alone and by saying to people, don't come in, it yeah. actually means you can have, take a bottle in there and sit there quiet. And pretend you're wrapping presents. Christmas me time. Christmas me time. Yeah, not much of that. So we, we actually met up yesterday, didn't we? We did. And you took me on an odyssey to the most beautiful place. And we have a picture or a little reel up on our Instagram at the Trust Me Pod that shows where we were. And we'll post some more pictures of it because it was so delightful and lovely. Tell everyone about it. So this is a place that I absolutely love, um, which is Richmond Park. And and London, must I think it has more parks than any other city in the world. But there are two things. There are parks and then there are kind of commons. And a common was a place, it's a piece of land that was given by the king or the queen for the common people. So you could park your goat there. You could, you know, grow some vegetables. This is in, you know, medieval times. Um, or you could walk across it with Tommy. And a lot of these were royal parks. And and Richmond Park, which is, I think, the biggest park in the world, is, is really a landmass. It's like being in the, in the middle of the countryside. It's huge. You can drive through it. Uh, you go very slowly. But it was where Henry VIII had one of his palaces, his main palace, and he would gallop from there to the Tower of London to then lock somebody up. And so it was also a hunting ground. Or to behead somebody. Or to behead somebody, yeah. But it was a hunting ground for deer. So uh, I was kind of jumping away from the back seat, telling Tommy all about it, but within a second, because you're only 15 minutes from the centre of London. And we were in the park and there was one herd of deer. So Tommy jumps out and was actually beautiful. And then we went... The park is so huge. There are little enclaves. And honestly, if you go to London, don't just do the touristy stuff. Get on the tube and go to... Richmond has got quite famous now because of Ted Lasso. Oh, that's right. That's where Ted Lasso's um, football club is. Yes. And where he lives. Yeah. And they filmed all around there for the TV show. So there are a lot of little enclaves. And one of them is called Petersham. So if you've got a pen and paper, write this down. Peter Sham. There's a stately home, it's right on the edge of the river. It's a little enclave of Richmond Park. And this stately home was bought by an Australian couple quite a few years ago. And at the back, they discovered all these old 200-year-old nurseries uh, that were all falling down. So they've turned it into tea rooms, restaurants, all kind of dirt floors. And you can buy everything from antiques, really nice stuff or uh, plants and seeds and gardening equipment. Beautiful gardening implements and gorgeous tools and things. Like it is really, there is even at this time of year, a little Christmas tree market. So you can go and buy your Christmas yeah. there and have a lovely lunch while doing it. Yeah, we had a great lunch. And uh, it's nice because it's a whole day out. You go for a walk on the river, you're right on the Thames. And it's not like a normal restaurant, is it? No, should we tell everyone what we had for lunch? Yeah, we had dal And two bottles of wine. The service, it was so full. Service was roller slow. 
Um, so we drank two bottles of wine and then we had two dars, uh, which was great. People don't know, it's a lentil curry type thing and very popular with vegans uh, and really delicious with a kind of cucumber and, and, and yogurty sauce next to it. Best places besides India to have Indian food is London. There are so many amazing Indian dishes yeah. and restaurants because that's so much a part of the food culture here. So you're going to be a tourist for the next week? I am, yes. Actually, this evening after we do this, I'm going to meet some friends for a smart cocktail at Claridge's. So I have to get across town, a little downtown to Mayfair after this. And we're going to have a lovely cocktail and see the Christmas decorations in Mayfair and try to avoid Oxford Street. Because as you know, it's quite close to Oxford Street and it is Bedlam. No, don't, don't go, to, go to Bond Street. That's where you've got all of the shops like Chanel and Gucci and Versace and what they've done. I mean, nobody's actually shopping in the shops, but outside it's a thousand deep. And they're, they're, everybody's filming these beautiful decorations. I mean, they're world, world class. And then Regent Street, which is the flying angels that have become so popular. Very iconic and, and very featured on Instagram and, and in real. Yeah. He goes. I mean, it's, it's magical. I, you know, I can't knock it. And I, I, I've been posting for the last kind of week, two weeks while I've been here, all the different areas. And I, I do think it's an amazing gift for a city to give back. It doesn't have to be anything to do with religion. I, I mean, London is so multicultural and everybody was out. It doesn't matter where you're from, you know, enjoying the festivities. And I, and I think for me, what the council is saying to people, uh, the town hall, look, this is our treat. We're going to spend a few million. We're going to decorate everything and give everybody. And so I think it's very important. If your town doesn't do it, I think you should go and knock on doors in January and be a Grinch and say, put more decorations up because everybody loves it. Kids love it. People love it. It's a visual feast. And the reason it's such bedlam in central London right now and so crowded is because people come from all over the world to experience Christmas. Oh, in yeah. You think of maybe like three cities around the world that are thought of as Christmas cities. You know, it's New York, London. It's a very, um, it's one of those things that doesn't disappoint. You know, you yeah. can build it up and build it up and think for years and years, I dream of going to London at Christmas. And then if you finally do, if you can manage to get here, it it delivers on the promise and then some because it's really, truly, as you say- book it now or you won't get it for next year. Very hard to get hotels and things, but it, it's beautiful and it's really worth seeing. Christmas itself, I mean, the day itself is a, is a very emotional time for for most people. Either yeah. people are just overtired from work or they're, they're alone, which is so hard because somehow Christmas, it, it slams it home. But it's also, you know, we're kind of put together with people maybe we don't see the rest of the year. So family, you know, siblings, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I always think Christmas Day, I've just got my kids over. You know, some of them are fantastic. But I, I think, you know, we're at the stage now in our house where, you know, both my children are now married, just married. So we're doing that one year on, one year off. So the in-laws get them one year. And then we get them the next year. So this yeah. year we're playing to really great friends who are really family to me. And um, so we're having Christmas there because they've got the same thing. So a good trick is try and do the on year, on year, so that your friends are doing the same thing. But it's also very, very hard. When you've had, say, family Christmases for 20 years, your children, the same routine, stockings and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And then suddenly they're going to somebody else's house. I found that harder than being an empty nester. 
being told suddenly, you know, you've been in control every Christmas. It's your turkey, your kitchen, your this, and everybody comes to you. And suddenly it's like, oh, we're, we're doing this and we're doing that. I find that really quite difficult, but it's the way of the world. Yeah, everything changes. You know, we all have magical, well, hopefully magical childhood memories of Christmas. Some don't, and that's, you know, that's one thing. But it's a very different thing to transition from childhood to adulthood in how you enjoy the holiday season, whether you're celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or something else. It is a very, um, it can be fraught but it can also be delightful. And a lot of people, you know, these days take on some of the more beautiful traditions and beautiful aspects of multiple different kinds of traditions or religious traditions. But like you said earlier, Christmas, you know, in a place like London, which is such a diverse and multicultural city, is really just kind of for everyone. And, you know, if you are a Christian and you want to go to Westminster Abbey and see the services at Christmas, it's free and you can go and do that. And there's hordes of people, but it's very pretty and beautiful. But you don't have to be Christian to celebrate Christmas in a city like this. It's really about these days, I think, you know, in in more modern times, I think the season and, and the holiday is really about reflecting on, you know, some of the core values of the holiday season, which is peace on earth and goodwill toward other people and kindness, practicing kindness in the everyday and gift giving and receiving and gathering. You know, like families and friends do. That's what it was all about, gathering, right? So yeah. what was your happiest kind of traditions of Christmas, uh, say, in your childhood? I mean, when I was a kid, my parents, you know, did the most amazing, you know, overnight Christmas setup that looked like Santa Claus had been to our home. And we had to stay in bed until a certain time because my mother didn't like to get up early. <laughs> and we could be allowed to go downstairs and see everything. And it was just revealed to us in the most magical way, like something in a movie. And that was every year when we were kids. Um, our parents didn't separate until they were until we were too old to do that kind of Christmas tradition with Santa Claus coming. But it was magical. And, you know, even now, now that we're older and I have nieces and nephews, a couple of my sisters have kids. My sister who lives here in London often comes over for Christmas. In fact, we had one day overlap before I came to occupy her flat in London and had a really lovely lunch with her partner, Vince, who's there. And so we had a really lovely experience with family and gathering at Christmas. But then as I got older, you know, I had many friends, you know, once you come out of the closet as an LGBT person, you end up knowing many people whose families had rejected them um, for doing that. And so then I ended up having sort of two Christmases or blended Christmases with friends and family where I would have the stragglers and the strays, the people who couldn't go home to their families for Christmas, but didn't want to be with people. That also became a really lovely tradition where, you know, it was just like a friend's Christmas. What I, I think a lot of kids like is what was regular. It was the thing. So it was particular aunties who came yeah. every year and the grannies and the family. And it was that thing that you expected every year you know my mum grumbling because one auntie never did anything and one but I think the funniest was always you know I've often talked about my crazy grandma and she was very um she was an anti-monarchist very beautiful and very loud and fun finding it hard to think of anyone else in your family who's quite beautiful and loud <laughs> hold tight be right back this episode sponsored by better help Hey, Tommy Smythe here. Thank God I have a few minutes to myself without my co-host. <laughs> I mean, you've been there. You've been overwhelmed before too. I think most people carry around some kind of stress. And here at the Trust Me Pod, it's 
Debbie, did you put your devices on Do Not Disturb? Debbie, do you have your microphone? (laughs) And when we have a guest, I just hope to get in one little question. Listen, sometimes it's hard to keep all your feelings all bottled up because you know what happens when you do. It bubbles over, you lose your cool, and maybe you take it out on someone you love. Obviously, I love Debbie. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. Whether you're in Toronto or Tuscany, BetterHelp will fit your schedule. Get it off your chest. Visit betterhelp.com decorator to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com decorator. A big part of design and decoration for us, and everyone really, is putting your memories on display. When my children went away to camp, it was the first time we'd kind of not been together, and they both wrote me letters, and they were probably eight and nine years old, and they are the funniest letters, and I framed them, put them up on the wall, and I see them every day, and sometimes if I feel a bit down, I just read those letters, mostly asking me for more candy, but I think framing a letter is a wonderful thing. That is why we love the idea of FrameBridge. They honestly make it so easy to get anything framed, and they're really, truly affordable. It's easy to do in person at one of their 20 FrameBridge retail stores, and... It's so easy to order online at FrameBridge.com. You just upload a photo for them to print. Picking the frame was really easy, but also really hard because there were so many options. I went for Walnut, which is a solid Walnut frame, but I think next time I'll go for Florence and they'll mail it to you using their free, secure, prepaid packaging service. FrameBridge has been trusted to frame millions of our memories. Visit framebridge.com or a local FrameBridge store. You can custom frame just about anything. Again, that's framebridge.com. But my other grandmother, who was my kind of step-grandmother, So from my stepfather, was very matronly, um, real working class woman. She'd been a nurse, uh, you know, a top, top nurse during the the Second World War in Liverpool when Liverpool was bombed and had a million stories of that. And she was a very pro-monarchist. She adored the Queen. So, of course... (laughs) The dinner table, that was interesting. Well, it was so interesting because at three o'clock, the Queen's speech came on and always did. And so as you know, kind of in our early teens and stuff, we were made to go in so that we could put on the Queen's speech. And my mother would lock herself. She couldn't stand it. So she would lock herself in the kitchen. She was based in the turkey and stuff. And I would be made to sit with the grannies because same thing happened every year. The music would come on, the royal music, and Granny Travis, who was my step-granny, the matronly one, would stand up, completely dressed to the nines, usually with a tiara, like a... From a you know from a gift box or something, and she had these huge bosoms, and she would stand there and salute the television, and we weren't allowed to speak, and she hung on every word of the Queen. But my other granny, my real granny, my maternal granny, would stand at the back, throw things like peanuts and stuff at the television screen, going, "Pay your taxes, you bastards!" (laughs) You know. Get rid of the hangers-on, and you know, all this anti-monarchy stuff. And it was like, and my mother couldn't stand the arguing. But what was great, you know, was 10 minutes later, we're all sitting around the dining room table having fun. But I always remember that, and we would roll about 
on the floor laughing. But also my fabulous granny, my crazy one, both grandmas were war, you know, during, brought they, up. Yes. Really, later the First World War and the Second World War. And so they were very frugal, which I love. And so every Christmas, when I was having my Christmases with my children in Montreal, the best present of all for all of us, without, it doesn't matter if you were given Cartier or Bulgari or whatever <laughs> rubbish. But, you know, it didn't matter. When Granny's box arrived with all our presents in, it was the highlight of Christmas. And we would sit there, all the paper wrapping all over the floor from the other presents, all completely forgotten. Because Granny's box had arrived. And I would sit there as the head of my family and open this box and hand out all the presents. We would laugh until literally till we peed our pants because there would be a half packet of digestive biscuits. There would be um, a half-used lipstick. There would stockings, stockings or pantyhose, which she would give her an old gooey bottle of nail varnish remover in case you got a hole in them. You know, out of the packet, underwear that she didn't wear anymore, that she cleaned and starched nicely and folded, bath hat. Shower hats with with strawberries on and things, you know, just things that she'd obviously looked around the house going, oh, Deborah would like that, and she'll like that. And it was a game of of who got the funniest thing. When we called her to say, "Oh my God, we love," you know, she didn't think anything of it. And then one year, I mean, surely the knickers were the funniest thing. <laughs> Some of those are those bath hats that they used to wear, or or, or you know, they used to wear bed jackets. Yes. Yes, yes. But one year there was a large eight by eleven envelope on the top of the box. So all the kids were sitting around and um so I opened the the envelope and there's a picture of her naked on a rock. <laughs> of course all the kids saw it were like, Who's that? I'm like, oh, it's just your grandmother. And and then the next picture was like slightly ruder. And we don't know why. Why she sent these pictures. You know, she must have gone to a nudist colony. <laughs> And she was just cleaning our drawers out, you know, because she was always throwing stuff out. It was always, do you want this? Do you want this? Or or we'd be given a fiver to shut up, you know. So she'd come in the house and say, slam a five pound note, which was a fortune to us, into your hand and going, behave. And that was I, it. I tell you one thing, if I found a nude photo of myself, like at this age, if I found a nude photo of myself when I was in my 20s, I would probably want to show it to everybody as well. There isn't one. But if there was. To me, the memories are, it's the regularity, the tradition, the everyday, the same arguments. Um, I told you I didn't like that. No, you didn't. Yes, you did. You know, it's like, it's family. It's really what family's all about. I know. The anticipation. And then the tears of like the first few years of my marital life, I got IOUs. I had a shoebox until a few years ago of all the things that Hans promised me because we didn't have the money. It's like ski holidays and beach holidays. <laughs> and there was so was it Was it Tuscan Villa, one of those? <laughs> and I asked my friend to myself. No, no, it was much before all that. But yeah, I mean, you know, and, and to me, it's not about money. No. I mean, my mum, one year I got a toothbrush. The most beautiful Christmas gift I ever received actually was um, the Christmas after my father passed away. When my father died, my sister and I, he had a lot of stereo equipment. He loved music and he had a ton of stereo equipment and he had all these compact discs of music that he loved. And a friend of ours who is a musician, we gave all of it to him. And the Christmas following, he actually gave my sister and I each a little iPod Nano 
that contained all of my father's music. And it was oh. just the most beautiful and lovely and heartfelt gesture. And it really was, the gift was the time it must have taken him to upload all of that music and to organize it all for us and to put it in one central place so that we could have it back. I think it's also, you know, I know it sounds a bit gooey, but it's about being grateful. And my mum, you know, because I think we've gone into that grateful thing a bit too much, you know, but my mum would never say the word grateful, but she would look around the dining room table as we were all fighting and poking each other and whatever, the noise level. And she would go around the table and going, all here, all here, all here, all here, all here, like this. And for her, those were the days, now they're all dead, but, you know, everybody had come together because they were all here, you know, on this planet. It was sad, really sad. Yeah. Okay. I know, it's, listen, this year I decided to be here in London for Christmas on my own. Patrick has gone down to Costa Rica to do a wellness retreat, which he really needs because he's been working so hard. Um, and I actually called my mom before I decided to plan this. And I said, listen, I, I'd, I'd like to do this, but I won't do it if you want me to stay home. And she said, because she's such a generous person, she said, listen, your stepfather and I are both in excellent health. We're not so old that you only have two Christmases left with us. And I think that you need to live your adventurous life and do these things while you can. And yeah. please go off and, and, and have the best time. And I have so far. I mean, we had our visit and I'll see you on Boxing Day. Yeah. And I'll get to see all the gifts that you got from hands. Well, not all of them. Not the lingerie. Don't show me the lingerie. I don't, know, I don't see any around the tree. But I think it'll be, it'll be a nice time for me to be able to be very reflective and really just have a nice quiet Christmas in a beautiful city that I love and that I'm familiar with. And, and such a walking city. You can just go off and walk here and explore. And yeah. And I've been here every year of my life since 1990 and sometimes a couple of times a year. So it feels like home away from home. So it, yeah. I kind of like I'm not home for Christmas, but also in another home, seeing friends yeah. and, and enjoying my friends this Christmas will be really special. Well, it's certainly not going to be a white Christmas scene. They usually put bets on, but yesterday when we were out, it was, we were in t-shirts virtually. It was really lovely. Beautiful. Yeah, it was, it's, it's lovely here. For a walking city, you don't necessarily want the snow. I want to be able to walk around and see it and, and you know, really explore. It's Billy's first Christmas. So, uh, well, he's been in his lessons every day. So we had another one this morning. She keeps telling me to get him neutered, to get him chemically castrated. Hans won't even say it out loud because he feels it. I don't know if anybody's got opinions on that, but I'm not doing it. No, thank you. I'll do it to Hans, but not the dog. So, yeah, so she's a bit into that. I don't know if she's got shares in a chemical castration company or something. Oh, my God. But the dog situation here is batty. They are dog mad. So he's having the time of his life in the park. So that will be this will be his first Christmas, and he's going to be with Jackie's Dougie, who's a working cocker, mad as a box of frogs, but great fun. And so that, yeah, they'll have a really good time, but it will be a bit mad. Billy's going to have Christmas balls, like the ones behind you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, he's into balls of all kinds, sniffing and licking and touching, what have you. Before we sign off, I want to ask you if there's anything that you would like to say to everybody, a little message for Christmas. No, not really. No, okay. So <laughs> I think, you know, we launched this podcast and it was so fabulous I mean, to go to number two on Apple. Um, and we launched it in in the late spring, and um, we did it because the, our Instagram lives were were so popular. 
and it's it's great. The technical side of it, I I just find very difficult. But but the the chatting away is great. And yet, I mean, like yesterday, everybody was going on Instagram saying when they saw the picture of you and I in London, going, "Oh my God, I wish I was there." And I I think what we've tried to do with this is is just to people chatting away, and we're not political, we're not whatever. We we just want to have a an upbeat, joyous talk. And we talked all the way through lunch through two bottles of wine, didn't we? I mean, oh my gosh, we never run out of things to talk about. No. And we never will. So the podcast could probably go for 30 years. <laughs> I know, I know. So I think that's good. We've got more interesting guests coming in the new year. And um, I guess we're going to kick off the new year with Jackie Brown and uh, good intentions and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, send in any intentions you've got or any things that were a waste of time. And I think it's also a good idea this time of year to think back to this time last year. You know, what have you done? What have you achieved? What have you done good, bad and ugly? Are you a slightly better person at the end of this year? Because I think that's the goal. Each year we we clean our house a little bit more and say, okay, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on that. And I think this is a good time to reflect on how you did. Mark yourself. Yeah. Gold star. Did you get a gold star, Tommy? I think so. I hope so. I mean, and I'd like to say a special thank you to our amazing producer, Sarah Burke, who has handled all of the technical things through our journey on this podcast. We couldn't do it without Sarah. And I want to wish everyone everywhere, no matter how you celebrate, a very happy Christmas from me and mine to you. And from me. And I want to say to you, Debbie, if you happen to see Father Christmas on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, please let him know that I'm alone in Carrie's flat in Maida Vale. I'd like him to save me until the end because I've got special for him. Oh, it's not the Thatcher, is it? Because I've started following the Thatcher after what you said. Whoa! So Tommy follows this guy who thatches roofs. Yeah. Not many of them left. He said, you've got to follow this guy. He's so hot. So I started following him and he's very hot. So if the Thatcher is dressing up as Father Christmas, I will send him over your way. If he's in the bag, then I'll definitely happily receive that. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, happy Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Amazing, healthy new year. Healthy, happy new year. Stay safe. And um, we will see you in January. We will. Love you. I'll see you on Boxing Day. Bye, Tommy. Find us on the trustmepod.com website or at the trustmepod on Instagram. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you in 2024. I'm Sarah Burke and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes, and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. The Women in Media podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media podcast network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.